This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Great to have you along for the ride. Thanks a lot for stopping by. Really glad to have this young lady on. She is the Young Americans for Liberty spokesperson. Her name is Randon Steinhauser. Randon, how are you? Good to see you. Hey, great. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really glad to have you on. Um, we, we see what's happening in Washington. We see what's happening here in Texas. Other states are jumping on board as well. But it really blows my mind. Let me just start from this. It blows my mind that we, who are forced to pay property taxes and fund public schools, have to get a bill of rights for parents so we can know what the heck is happening in public schools. That's kind of nuts, isn't it? Yeah, I think we've moved beyond this system of trust and accountability with our government schools to where parents are now asking very important questions about what their children are learning or what they're not learning, right? This woke indoctrination has taken over from the academic excellence that we've come to expect. And so it is unfortunate, but I'm also at the same time very proud of the conservatives and the lawmakers who have stood up and said, we are going to be a voice for parents. We believe that parents know best and government does not know best. I I agree with you. A couple of things happened recently that I think really made this come to fruition. And by the way, the website is yaliberty.org, yaliberty.org. It's uh, Randon Steinhauser. We had COVID and the lockdown so we were doing education by Zoom and parents could now look into the classroom and say, well, wait a second, what are you teaching them? What did you just say to her? Um, And I think that was a big deal. In fact, some teachers in some states wanted to ban parents from watching the education that was coming in on their own computers in their own homes. Thank God that didn't go anywhere. So we had that, which I think was a big deal. And then we had the situation in uh, Loudoun County, Virginia, where the father was standing up for his daughter who was raped by a, an alleged transgender student. He was, and he was just pretending to be a girl. Um, and he ended up sexually assaulting a couple of people. And that father was dragged out by police. And then the Department of Justice said, we're looking at these people as domestic terrorists, these parents of kids at school board meetings. Do you agree that those two things sort of got us to where we are today? Absolutely. I think it's a combination of all of this. It's the complete disregard for parental uh, rights. It's the complete um, dis connection between what's best for kids and a political ideology that's being perpetrated in our classroom. So I think that COVID really pulled back the curtain on a lot of what was happening in public education. But we also see continuation of this indoctrination happening in our classrooms. And I think parents are fed up, right? It would be one thing if we were producing an an amazing amount of scholars uh, in America. But right now, our country is falling farther and farther behind comes to academic success. And so in our adversaries, whether that's China or Russia, when they look at what's happening in our country, they're probably standing back and laughing because we're focused more on how you feel about two plus two equal equaling four than knowing if you know the difference, right? And so there's this real disconnect. I think parents are fed up with the system. They want parental control over their child's education. And so what we're seeing happening across the country, in addition to this Bill of Rights, 
our education savings accounts. And I'd love to talk about how that is really the future of empowering parents to get their kids out of these indoctrination centers and empower them to find the best educational environment for their child. We'll definitely go there with Randon Steinhauser, Young Americans for Liberty spokesperson, yaliberty.org. Uh, do you know how we got here? When I was in school, they didn't care about my feelings, not even a little bit. And you're right, two plus two was four. It wasn't two plus two, how do you feel? Or it wasn't right. two plus two is seven, I accept that because I, I want to validate you. No, it was, this is what it is. This is how it works. And then I became a productive member of society. And my parents had no problem having a relationship with the teachers or the principal saying, hey, how's he doing? Hey, is he, is he acting up? Is he learning on the, on the pace that he should be? And luckily I was, but I think I got a pretty good education. How did it happen? Was it a slow boil? Because all of a sudden, if you want to talk to the principal, you're the, you're the adversary. You're not somebody who's advocating for your kid. Yeah, you know, I really think it goes to the wedge that is being drawn between families, between parents and their kids. It's an overall effort of the progressive radical left to disconnect kids from their parents. And I know that that even in itself sounds radical, but the truth is that this has been happening from higher education and K-12 long before parents were aware of it. Again, COVID released all of this information to parents for the first time. And so I think it's a very intentional effort to build distrust between parents and their children so that children become more reliant and trusting of the government, of these government schools than their own parents. Now, this is not to say that every teacher in America is bought into this radical Marxism and this progressive agenda, but how can you fight back when you feel like you're one voice and you're told that you must have a pride flag in your room? You're told that you must call a child by their preferred gender pronouns, even while keeping their parents in the dark. So our educators are being put in this really uncomfortable and unethical position. We have to stand up for educators that believe in American values and want to provide a good education, and we must stand up for parents. I think that was a game changer as well, what you just brought up about, uh, you can use whatever pronoun you want, I'll call you a different name if you want in classroom, and I won't tell mom and dad. I think that crossed a a lot of lines. It's why um, Youngkin won over McAuliffe in Virginia, because McAuliffe literally said parents have no say in their kids' education, and parents said, even the left parents said, I might be a Democrat, but I have a say in my kids' education. So I'm actually glad that happened. But let's let's break this down to, to two different things here. Nationally, the House of Representatives just passed this um, this Parents' Bill of Rights. I know in Texas, you were just in Austin yesterday fighting to make sure the parents have a Bill of Rights here. Do we need to do it, do you think, individually, all 50 states? Or will a National Parents' Bill of Rights do? Well, all government is local, right? Yeah. And so I say if we believe in local control, states' rights, that we should never trust the federal government to do anything right. I mean, I think this is a step in the right direction, but I also think that we as Texans, whether you're in Texas, Ohio, South Carolina, it doesn't matter. Fight for your parental rights. Fight for the Bill of Rights at the state-based level because you want to enshrine your God-given rights for your child And to make sure that no government entity is going to come in and say they know best, to make sure that no unelected bureaucrat is going to be telling your child that they can be whatever gender they feel like for the day, or to be providing them pornographic materials in their public school library. Our values matter. We must drive a values-driven agenda in our state capitals to ensure that the trust between parents and children is not broken by this progressive ideology that has been taken over in our government schools. It's Randon Steinhauser, Young Americans for Liberty spokesperson. Go to YAL, I'm sorry, YALiberty.org, YALiberty.org. That's the website. Um, The Department of Education was made up by Jimmy Carter for no reason other than he could, and it gets 65 to $70 billion a year. Do you think it should exist? 
you know, I, I previously worked for Secretary of Education DeVos, and I'm a big fan of what she's done to revolutionize education, putting power back in the hands of the families. You know, I think if I had a, a wish list of all the departments I could eliminate, I would start with the Department of Education. <laughs> Probably the Fed, right? I mean, yeah, I, I, think, think, I think there are a lot of them that could be uh, eliminated. Yeah. You're absolutely right. But the department, what does the Department of Ed do? Now, I, I agree with you. I've interviewed Betsy DeVos. She's great, but she's also an advocate for school choice. Yes. Yeah, she is because she believes that the power resides in the parents and that they know their children better than anyone and that we should not have this huge bureaucratic, unelected body of bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. pushing top-down policies that think they understand kids, right? You know your children better than anyone. Look, I'm a mother of four. I have a set of identical twins. Even they learn differently, right? So I know them better than anyone else, and I'm going to find the best educational environment for them. We do not need a Department of Education in Washington, D.C., pushing top-down curriculum choices that may not even match our values and focusing more on how children feel than how they perform and how they're doing as individuals. I think that if I could eliminate the Department of Education, I would do it tomorrow. I, I would too, and I think Betsy DeVos, while she was the head of that department, would have gotten rid of it as well. Uh, it's interesting that, that what you say about your identical twins, I thought they would learn exactly the same. Are they just completely different personality-wise, even though their DNA is the same? You know, it's really interesting. So I have one, I have three girls and a baby boy and my twins are right in the middle. And I have one who is my physical child. She has to touch and feel everything. Wow. She wants to be in the middle of it. Whereas my other one is much more of a processor. She wants to sit back and observe. She's a little quieter. She's watching before she participates. Ella, my one of my twins, she's going to jump right in. She's going to figure it out as she goes. It's wild. When you learn differently it's really important as a parent to see their struggles and see where they thrive so that you can tailor their education to not just focus on their weaknesses, but focus on their strengths. But, but teachers used to do that. And again, I'm a, I was born in 1966. So I was in school uh, the early 70s through 1984 in public school. And the teacher did say, okay, you're really good at that. So I don't need to work that up much on that. But we do need to work on this part. And, and the teachers seemed to be very, very good at doing that. But then we standardized everything. The Department of Education showed up, and suddenly you really couldn't do anything anymore. It was, like you said, top-down, forced down by the federal government saying, you must teach this way, and the STAR test, or the fill-in-the-blank you know, acronym test. Um, if, you, if you didn't get a certain level here, then you were failing as a school, even though teaching like your twins, a great example, you need to teach one through physical touch, the other one through you know, mental acuity. It, it, why can't we go back to that? Why did we go away from that? Is it because of the top-down stuff from the federal government? You know, I think we are moving back toward that. That's really? what's kind of exciting about education savings accounts. We have seen since COVID, homeschooling in America has almost doubled, if not more, because we don't have data on every single family who left the system. There is a movement in our country right now led by parents. And I would say the Parental Bill of Rights is a part of that. We have seen a movement of parents to say, why are my children sitting this coercive government mandated education system where they're there six, seven hours, five days a week? I feel totally disconnected connected from them. They're not learning. They're miserable. And they're totally disconnected from the love of learning. And I think that there's a movement, whether it's through homeschooling, micro schooling, hybrid homeschooling, unschooling. There's all of these movements that are happening to move kids out of this coercive learning environment and into a place where education means exploring and seeking knowledge for truth and goodness and beauty and not being beholden to government mandated examinations and tests that are really rote memorization that's yeah. based on trying to get a job when you graduate versus fulfilling your life with the sake of knowledge for, for the sake of learning. 
I couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm kind of a dumb guy. We just met, but I'm kind of a dumb guy. So let me ask you a question that I've never got a, gotten a really good answer to. Why exactly would the radical left in this country that pretends it's for minorities and those who are intersectional, they're for the downtrodden, they're for those in poor neighborhoods or high crime neighborhoods, yet they're against school of choice? I'm not, I'm not sure I understand. And again, not very smart. I would think they would be the ones saying, hey, we can lift up everybody in these communities that we keep, keep on acting like we advocate for by giving them an opportunity to use public dollars instead of giving to a failing public school in their neighborhood. They can now go to private school or a charter school. Why, why do you think the left is against that when they pretend they're for exactly what it would do? I think all you have to do is look at what's happening right now in Los Angeles, right? We're on day three of this, you know, celebratory teacher strike, and they're celebrating that they are shutting down schools. When you look at the student population of Los Angeles, those are predominantly minority low-income households who likely are coming from a single-family household where that mom is now on day three of trying to figure out childcare for her children. They do not care about the best interest of kids. For far too long in our country, the unions have had a stronghold on our public education system. It has moved it from a public good to a job protection system yes. for these union bureaucrats who, quite frankly, again, are so focused on the status quo that they do not care about the academic outcomes of families and, parents and kids. So I think you can look at the unions, they fund the Democrats, and there is a disconnect between the populations who typically vote Democrat in this country and those who are being disserviced by our public schools. So when Democrats actually start serving their constituencies, they will embrace school choice. We are seeing it happening in different states across the country. You're seeing some bold advocates from the left side of the aisle Good. stand up say enough is enough. This school to prison pipeline, I can't stand for it anymore. Um, I think we need more bold leaders and I'm excited to see that. The Argates, Randon Steinhauser, she's a Young Americans for Liberty spokesperson, yaliberty.org. Randon, I appreciate you coming on. The argument by the other side is, well, this is going to ruin our public schools. Well, I got to tell you something. If the public school sucks, I want it gone. And competition is good. There are many people that have radio shows on when I'm on. I don't want them to, to go away. Um, I want to compete with them. It makes my show better. It makes them better. The public school, without any competition whatsoever, can do anything it wants, can pass kids that are failing, can can really stink at educating, and, and still be the only game in town. That's what we... The school choice thing is great for every reason you just said. Plus, it forces the public schools to get better, doesn't it? Well, it's a free market approach, right? Yeah. When you have competition in the marketplace, you can understand how it causes all votes to rise. It causes our neighborhood school to improve when parents are now given the power of their dollars. If your child is in a school that is not working for you, if you're in a public school, you typically cannot go elsewhere if you cannot afford private school or you cannot homeschool. Again, private schools will shut down if their customers leave, right? If you're not happy, you go somewhere else. You take your dollars somewhere else. Right. If you're a mom with a kid stuck in a neighborhood school that's failing them year after year after year, as we have seen right here at Houston ISD, right, failing consistently, yes. those moms and dads don't have another option. But guess what? It doesn't matter to that monopoly because there's nowhere else for those parents to go. They're still getting the money. They're the still Right, right. If I, if I own a pizza place and my pizza stinks, but I'm the only pizza place in town, I don't have to be very good, and I'm still going to be getting the business. It, it really is that simple. It's Randon Steinhaus, right? You've got to fill me in on something. You mentioned uh, very briefly unschooling. Randon, what is unschooling? I've never heard of that. What is that? I, I'm actually in the middle of a wonderful book right now by Carrie McDonald. Highly recommend it. It's called Unschooled. She is with the Foundation for Economic Education. And I have been fascinated by this book because it's basically talking about the idea of public education being created to be 
a model for us to have productive workers. It took the value away from the individual child in the pursuit of knowledge and the sake of learning to find joy in learning and joy in what makes you as a human being um, spark, right? What is it? And so encouraging children to learn at their own pace, find their natural gifts, lean into that, provide them support along the way, but do not put them in a coercive form of government funded education where they are stuck to being taught to a test, being in a classroom where your values are being undermined, that you as a parent um, can take back that control. And it's fascinating. It's called Unschooled. Carrie McDonald, give it a huge shout out. Very interesting. Uh, YALiberty.org is the website. It's Randon Steinhauser. I've got 30 or 40 seconds, which isn't enough time, but just give me a few words to those who are watching and listening who would love to do something other than uh, public schooling, but they're afraid of it because uh, how do I take care of my kid? How do I go to work? I mean, this is going to mean eight or nine more hours of me worrying about my child where I don't know that they're at a school that I'm paying for. Um, what words would you have to people who are considering an alternative to public school but are scared of it? You know what? I was that mom. I made the decision to cut back on my career so that I could spend more time with my children. We decided to go in a hybrid homeschooling model where they are on campus at a university model school two days a week. And the rest of the day, my husband and I both homeschool our children. We started a co-op. We have 40 families that come together every single week to nice. learn and teacher. Um, we ha- we hiring out tutoring. We hire out therapy if we need it. Classes. So you can do it. My message to any parent that is considering to pulling their kid out of this government run system is you'll never get these hours back with your child. You will never get it back. So take the time with them now, get to know your children and remember that at the end of the day, it is about having a love of learning, not getting the right test score so that you can move on to another, you know, grade level. It's about having joy of learning and spending time with your children. Great answer. It's Randon Steinhauser. Go follow her all over social media. Young Americans for Liberty spokesperson. Go to yaliberty.org. Randon, come on again. Great interview. Thanks. Thank you. All right. We're back right after this. Stay right here. This is the Joe Pag Show. Glad to have you here. I appreciate you stopping by. We do have some time before we get out of here to uh, to check in with Polo and Pop Culture. Yep. Dirty Pop. Hi, right, brother. What's going on? So you remember, I think it was yesterday, we were talking about Beyonce and like her deal with Adidas going away and, and then parting yeah. ways and all that stuff. Well, I'm sure she's not going to be doing too poorly. Her husband, Jay-Z, uh, has a net worth now of $2.5 billion, according to Forbes. Dude, how is that possible? Is he one of the owners of Spotify? Is that the deal? I, I don't know. I think he had Tidal. I think that was the one. And I don't know if he right, sold Right, I that. remember. And then right. he sold um, 50% of his stake in, in some cognac um, company that was the parent company. Bacardi was amazing. the parent company. So... Must be a smart business guy. Well, good, good for him. I mean, not good for her, but yeah, she's got that to fall back on, which yeah. is nice. All right, Paul, appreciate you. Sam, thank you very much. Carrie, thank you. I'm Joe. We're back on Monday. Have an incredible weekend. Make sure you stop by JoePags.com. Talk soon. This is the Joe Pags Show. 